We are in a series titled, Who is God? We are eight weeks into this series, and our theme verse is Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. This is also our memory verse for the month. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. If you want to boast about something, here it is. But let him who boasts, boast in this. God's okay with us boasting in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So, in this series, we are trying to increase our understanding of God so that we may uh, increase our knowledge of God. We're trying to clarify our picture of who God is so that our relationship with God deepens. And left to ourselves, we would never know who God is because we always create God in our own image, but God is wholly other. And so we are 100% dependent upon God revealing himself to us which thankful he does in the Bible and ultimately in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. And so during this series, we're going to the scriptures to see what God has revealed about himself so that our picture of God becomes clearer and more accurate so that our relationship with him can deepen. Today's uh, attribute of God is God's justice. We read the psalmist when celebrating God exclaims, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And Moses says, God is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Justice is an attribute of God. It's one of those communicable attributes that we can share in. Well, what does it mean? What does justice mean? Chip Ingram, he writes, justice, here's what it means. Justice means that people are going to get what they deserve based on God's clear and full understanding of what they did and why they did it. God who sees all and knows all and has perfect wisdom uh, will give us what we deserve. That's justice. J.I. Packer writes, the heart of the justice which expresses God's nature is retribution the rendering to persons what they have deserved. For this is the essence of the judge's task, to reward good with good and evil with evil is natural to God. Abraham seems to have shared this understanding of justice. In Genesis 18, Abraham is interceding uh, on behalf of the righteous people living in Sodom and Gomorrah. God has told Abraham, I'm about to send uh, sulfur from heaven down upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and utterly destroy them because they're wicked. And Abraham says, but what if there are righteous people in those cities? Are you going to destroy them as well? Genesis 18:25. Far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And so what Abraham is saying is, God, justice means that you give people what they deserve based on what they've done. You don't just 
lump them together and, and deal with people as a group kind of indiscriminately, but if somebody is righteous, then they should be rewarded and only the punished should be wicked and uh, the wicked should be punished. And so you're not really going to just send sulfur down on these cities and destroy the, the righteous along with the wicked, are you? That doesn't seem just to me. So what is justice? Justice is getting what you deserve. No, no more and no less. And God, who is the judge of his creation, says, I will repay perfectly. There will be justice, perfect justice. But we look around the world. Here's the dilemma. We look around the world and we say, but justice is not right now being done in many, many cases. There are wicked people who are prospering, and there are righteous people who are being squelched, who are being hurt. In fact, God's people throughout the ages have cried out for justice, have longed for God's justice to, to be enacted here on earth. In Psalm chapter 42, we read this. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. And so, God's people long for the day when God's justice is, does come, when his justice is enacted upon the earth. Why the delay? If God is just, why is his justice not right now holding sway on the earth? Well, the Apostle Peter tells us why. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we read, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So God's justice is kind of being suspended right now. It's on hold. Because when God's justice comes, it's game over. And for many people, those who have not yet repented, that will be a terrible day. And so God is suspending his judgment and his justice so that we might have time to repent. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. There is coming a day in which God will judge the earth the earth, in which justice will be perfectly enacted on earth. And so we need to be ready for that day. Here's another uh, verse in Romans chapter 14, uh, verses 11 and 12 about that day. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. As I live, 
this day is coming. It has to come because God is just. So let's talk uh, a little bit about that coming day of judgment. What will it be like? And we're going to get to the gospel, we're going to get to the good news, but the gospel shines brightest when we understand what it saves us from. So first, a little bit about the judgment day. Number one, Jesus Christ will be the judge on that day. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. And Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. So it's going to be Jesus Christ who ultimately judges us. And so what's that going to be like for the person who spent his entire life rejecting Christ's claim to be the Son of God? What's that going to be like for the person who mocked Jesus and called some of his teachings misogynistic and backward? Right? Someday we will all have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, and he will judge us. Secondly, every single action and our motive for those actions will be judged. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Even the secret stuff, the stuff that nobody saw, the stuff that we did in secret, we think we've gotten away with God, who is omnipresent, who sees all, will bring it to light. Every deed with every secret thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, we read, here's Paul. Paul says, For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. See, we, we might be right in our own eyes. The Bible says there is a path that seems right in our own eyes, but its end leads to death. It is not, we're not the ones who judge ourselves. It's ultimately Christ. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time because before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So not only what we do, but why we do it matters to God. That's how perfect his justice is. He will mete out his justice based not only on what we do, but why we do it. Number three, at the final day, unbeliever, unbelievers will be punished. Second Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And those are the Christians. But what about the non-Christians? Skip to verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So the fate of the unbeliever is going to be what we call hell, the eternal fire. Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 and 13, we read, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the book of life? How does it get there? It gets there by repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Because on that final day, if your name is not written in the book of life, what the scriptures say is hell is your uh, destiny. And you don't, you don't want to go there, by the way, in case there was any question. Don't want to go there. Finally, believers will be rewarded. Now, the Christian is also going to have to uh, stand before God on Judgment Day. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So this is an, apo an apostle including himself. We must all. That includes Christians. But what's the purpose of us being at the judgment? The purpose is not for us to be uh, punished, but rather to determine kind of the size of our reward. Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, we read, The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great. If you're a Christian, that's you. And so what's the purpose? It's to reward you, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. In John chapter 5, verse 24, we are encouraged with this scripture. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So we are at the judgment, but we do not come into judgment. Romans 8, 1, we're told, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what's the point? So for us, it's all about uh, determining the uh, level of reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, nope, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, starting in 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right, so we're talking about Christians because they've laid a foundation of faith in Christ. Now it's about how we live our lives after that. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer, suffer loss, 
though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So if you're a Christian, you're getting into heaven. And the day of judgment uh, isn't about that question. It's not asking, are you getting into heaven or are you going to go to hell? That's already been decided. You're going to heaven. What's being decided is the, the level of your reward. And so if you put your faith in Christ and then you just continue living a, a, a life that is um, with disregard for God, you don't grow in holiness and you're not involved in God's mission, uh, the problem is you're going to have nothing to show for your life, right? And, and that final day of judgment is going to reveal that. Uh, you're going to be saved, but only as through fire. Uh, you're basically going to get into heaven naked with nothing to show for your life. And, and that's tragic. We don't know what those rewards are. Uh, but we're told about this uh, for a reason, right? To, to motivate us to build upon our faith in Christ in a way that, that will be rewarded so that we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant from our Lord. All right. So we've been, we've been powering through scriptures. We've been talking, you know, theology. Now let's get practical. So the rest of the time, uh, we're going to talk about kind of the, the application. Since God is going to someday judge the world with justice, what? Well, number one, we can rest assured that evil will be punished. Think about the psalmist uh, and, and distressed at, by the fact that justice is not being done, that people are, wickedness seems to be uh, running rampant and people are getting away with it and, and uh, good people are being, being hurt. Lord, we pray, we want your justice to come. Well, we, can, we know that that day is coming, right? And so we can rest and, and, and not stress about that. Secondly, since God is someday going to judge the world, we can leave vengeance to God and enjoy the freedom of forgiveness. All of us in this room have been victims of other people's injustice, other people's wickedness, right? Every one of us has been lied to, cheated on, yelled at, cursed at, hurt. We've had our reputations uh, damaged by, by other people spreading rumors about us. And, for, and some people in this room... Uh, What's happened to you is, is extreme and very, very terrible. And, and our hearts cry out for justice, right? We, we want that wicked deed to be punished. And that is, that is right. That is an, a reflection of uh, being created in the image of God. God is just, and our hearts long for justice. There's nothing wrong with desiring uh, recompense. But the Bible says, leave room for God's vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. The problem is, when we become, we take it upon ourselves to uh, exact the justice, right? That we say, I'm going to make sure that they get back what they deserve. And if nothing else, we hold, uh, we do that by holding uh, anger in our hearts and bitterness toward the other the person who has hurt us. But knowing that there is coming a day of justice, 
we can let that go and we can say, you know what, God, vengeance is yours. I don't need to, I know that that deed that was done to me that hurt me or hurt my loved one, I know that that's going to be perfectly dealt with. And so I'm going to release it into your care and I'm going to get about the business of forgiving. And we can forgive and let it go and it doesn't get in the way of justice because God, the just, is still going to deal with it perfectly. And so I wonder if there are people here today who are bound up uh, as victims and God wants to release you. He wants you to say, that hurt that was done to me, it, it, it needs to be dealt with justly, yes. And God, I entrust that to you. And I release it, and I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to forgive the person who has harmed me, and I'm going to set it aside, and I'm going to go on and, and live into the freedom of forgiveness. And if you'll do that, that's part of your inheritance as a Christian. God wants you to walk in that freedom. He wants you to have that release of your heart. But it's, you have to claim that by faith, right? And say, God, I release that pain to you. And I choose to forgive. Number three, since God will someday judge the world with justice, we should do good and eschew evil. I had to use that word. I love that word. Eschew. It's like spit it out, right? Stiff arm it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, so if God's going to uh, reward good and punish wickedness, well then, hey, a little bit of fear of God is good for us. Uh, Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so certainly as Christian people who are trying to honor our Father and reflect His heart, we need to, we need to do good and eschew evil. Number four, here we get to the gospel. Since God is someday going to judge the world with perfect justice, we should accept Jesus' offer to take the punishment for our sins upon himself. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That includes me and that includes you. I have sinned. I have many, many times, unfortunately. And so at the day, at the day of judgment... God, is, the gavel's going to come down, apart from Christ, at the day of judgment, the gavel will, would come down, and Mike, you are guilty of sin. Well, what's my punishment? Well, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. The just punishment for sinning against the Creator is death. And so, apart from Christ, on the day of judgment, the gavel would come down, you're guilty of sin, your punishment is death. And that is, that is the, the verdict that will come down upon every human apart from Christ. But the, the wonderful news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus says, hey, I will die in your place. I will take the punishment that you deserve upon myself. And that's why Christ hung upon the cross. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. It wasn't, the, the cross is not a symbol of Christ's failure to, to be 
Mr. Popular, uh, the cross is the, the symbol of Christianity for, for a reason. Because upon the cross, Jesus substituted himself for us. And his death upon the cross is sufficient payment for the sins of the whole world. He is the son of the living God. And, and God's justice is satisfied by Christ's death. It is sufficient payment for every sin you've committed, every sin I've committed, every sin ever committed. But we have to receive that gift by faith. It's an offer. God, Christ says, I, I will substitute my death for you. I will take the, the penalty for your sins upon my, myself. That's an offer I make, but we have to receive that by faith. If you, if you have never uh, repented of your sins and put your faith in Christ, if you're not a Christian, uh, you are not taking advantage of the greatest offer ever made because the day of judgment is coming. But that day of judgment doesn't have to be a scary day for you. It can be a wonderful day for you. And I, and I, I preach this sermon not to scare anybody. It's what the Bible teaches. But my own father came to Christ when he heard about the judgment. And he recognized, I'm a sinner. And when that day of judgment comes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be consigned to hell. And it motivated him to get right with God. And he has, from that day on, longer than I've been alive, he has followed uh, the Lord, and, and heaven is his destiny. And so I know that we're not doing anybody any favors by not telling them the, the clear truth of Scripture. So let's sit on this verse, Romans chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 23 through 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Are you willing to acknowledge that that's you included in that? And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. Here it is. So that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is just, and his justice demands that sin be punished by death. But God is also the great lover of our soul. And in his love, he said, I will satisfy my justice by dying in their place. And every time we put our faith in Jesus Christ, every time a person puts his faith or her faith, faith in Jesus Christ, God can be both just and the justifier. And he can say on judgment day, Matt, don't worry about it. I died for your sins. You may come and enter heaven. Yes, Yes, you are deserving of death, but I paid for that. Come, enter paradise with me. That's the good news of the gospel. Although we are deserving 
of death. By his stripes we are healed. And finally, since God will someday judge the world with justice, we should share the gospel with our friends. How are they going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? And who's going to tell them unless we go? Romans 8. All of us. All of us have neighbors and friends, classmates, co-workers, who, family who do not yet know Christ. And the fact that judgment is coming should motivate us to be bold and to take some risks on their behalf, motivated by 